last week, I talked about one of the harder places of Scripture. To me, that's one of the hardest places of all. Love your enemies, amen. Do good to them despitefully. Usually, I mean, bless them that curse you. Come on. There's nothing more opposite to your human nature than the word, those words. Somebody rips you off. Joe, you do a job, you work hard, you make it real nice, and they don't pay you. You want to get bitter, don't you? Yeah, it wants to make you bitter. You got your payroll to meet, and you got all that to do, and they don't pay you. My dad, mom and dad, they were in business for themselves pretty much their whole life, and they had numbers of people not pay them, just not pay them, just decide they weren't going to pay them. And it, uh, I remember them being hurt by that. I remember them talking about that as a kid. And uh, I remember one time this, they did this job. It was a $2,500 job. Now, back then, that was a million dollars, $2,500 in the f- late 50s. A big job. It took a lot to do it. My dad was pretty skilled in that area. He did the job. It came out nice. They liked it. And the guy said, I'm not going to pay you. Sue me. And my mom and dad didn't take people to court. It just cost so much. And what was the point, you know, going to court? And they didn't go. And I remember my mom said, you know, we're going to go back. We're going to have to go bankrupt. And my mom had trouble with fear. My dad did not. My dad, Marine, Saipan, Tinian, Okinawa, he had lived through that without a scratch. And by living through that, you know, fourth wave and first wave, never got touched. He felt that God spared him through that. There wasn't anything to worry about. He got saved when he got back, by the way. But my mother had not been through that, and she worried about everything. She just seemed like she fretted about just all kinds, and she verbalized it. As a kid, you don't know how to digest all that, right? You don't know how to digest that fear. I don't know. I thought we were all going to starve to death, be kicked out on the street, and die. That's what I mean for a while. A couple things she said. And bottom line was about 35 years later, they were living here in, in your house, and they got an envelope in the mail, and it was a check for 2500 bucks, and a note that said, we cheated you, and we've been saved, and the Holy Spirit told us to pay you. Yeah, cool. I thought, no interest? <laughs> <laughs> I guess God don't pay interest. <laughs> that should at least double but no, they were just, they cried, they cried, you know. Then they didn't need it. But it was just the point of it, that somebody had gotten saved. You really get saved, you get things right like that. You don't have to be told by a preacher to get things right. The Holy Spirit's going to be saying, now you, you cheated so-and-so, you stole this, you did that. You get all that right. He'll make you, boy, he'll take you right back to all those people, and he'll, you'll get right about all that stuff, or you won't be happy. You'll be up at night. Walk in the floor. So God's things, God's ways are not our ways. You learn that pretty quick when you read the book. And so much so as I prepared about three hours this morning for a message tonight and left it at home. I mean, I didn't copy it off or didn't email or didn't put it on a stick, which is what I do every, every time. And so I kind of get the feeling he didn't want me to do that. Or I'm getting really, 
Let's not blame him. I'm just getting absent-minded so bad. I'm going to have to have my wife help me on this. So I look back in some things that I had done. And one area that I visited a few times, not I think the last time I visited this area was seven years ago, uh, was this, this, the ways of God are not our ways. And, and really, when you think about it, it goes, it goes hand in hand with what I did last week. So I got thinking, Lord, that's probably a better one-two punch than, than I was going to do. So, okay. I said, well, yeah, this is good. We'll do it. So here we go. Illogical Christianity. That's the title of this section here. Illogical Christianity. It's not according to human wisdom. We don't serve God according to human wisdom. Up is down and down is up in the Bible many times. So here's some biblical paradoxes. We see unseen things. Now, how do you see unseen things? How's a physical eye see unseen things? Well, 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we look not at the things which are seen, the word look has to do with your eyes, or does it? Or is it your the eyes of your spirit he's talking about, right? Your intellect, the eyes of your mind. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. That alone is a kind of a paradoxical statement. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen, which we look at, are eternal. Just... One of the harder things as born-again believers is to keep this verse clearly in your mind. Because the things we see, we touch, we smell, you know, the five senses, are, are, are impacting us every day, all the time. And he says, don't let those be the things that really you're paying attention to. Let the things which are invisible the spiritual things, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of the Bible, the fact that there's a God in heaven that made you, cares about you, Jesus died for you, gave himself, rose again. Those are the things that you need to keep your eyes on. But the, the things that are seen want to grab your whole life. They, they, they're almost demanding clawing for all your attention, all your, think about it this way, your life, let's just measure your life this long. Let's say you're going to live 70 years. You got this long a life. The things which you're seeing want to, want to take that whole 70, that whole 70 years, but God says, no, 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 no. There are things which are unseen which are way more important than these things which you see. You got to give some of this to those unseen areas. I mean, you get born again. The biggest shock about getting saved is going to church. Before you get saved, a lot of times people didn't go to church. They didn't bother going to church. Sunday morning, they may go to church once in a while. It's a one-hour-a-week thing. No way two hours. But if they do, really, it's a big decision. They go Sunday for Sunday school. Then they'll go 11 o'clock service. Uh, man, that's enough. I've given God two hours of my week. And then the preacher says, oh, man, we got stuff going on Sunday nights. Good. Oh, if you miss Sunday night, oh, man, we got Sunday night lunch, Sunday night brunch, spiritual buffet. So they come on a Sunday night and say, boy, we're really sacrificing now. 
We're going to be there on a Sunday night. We're going to give God three hours a week. Wow. And then the preacher somehow will say, well, you know, Wednesday night we get together also. Wednesday night. Did you guys go through this? Anybody go through this when you first got saved? And then you go Wednesday night? You're thinking Wednesday night. Now I am holy. If any everybody's ever been holy, I'm holy, man, because I've been on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Come on now. Nobody I know, because by that when you first get saved, all your friends are unsaved. Uh, nobody I know goes to church. They go to church, you know, maybe on Easter, maybe on Christmas. The one of the reasons the Easter crowd's so big on the beach is because probably three-quarters of those people only go twice a year, so why not? And so they, they show up, and, and they're like, Wow! What they don't realize is all the time they're given to the scene is going to evaporate. One day, you're going to close your eyes in death, and all the scene stuff you'll never see again. You won't own it. You don't get it. You can be buried in your car. You can be buried in your, you know, you do anything you want. People get buried in their cars. That You know, they try to take their... They're jaguars to the grave. They try to take their, but they're not going to. It's not going to happen. And if the relatives got any sense, they tell them they're going to bury them in their car, then don't sell their car and get the money and leave it. But anyway, <laughs> my dad, his whole life, talked about being buried in his Marine Corps uniform. Oh, I mean, now, everything I can remember is my going to be, I'm going to get buried. And he kept his uniform, got it clean once in a while. It's in my closet at my house. Because I went to my mother after he died, and I said, surely now you're going to put him in this uniform. Because he fitted. He weighed 155 pounds when he died. Same weight he weighed when he was in the Marine Corps. And he worked hard at keeping his weight that way, exercised every day. And I thought, wow, he died healthy. <laughs> but he died. And so my mom looked at me with that. She had a streak in her, I'll tell you what, brother. She said, he's going to get buried in what I want him to get buried in. That's what I thought she was doing. He's told me pretty much what to do my whole life, but you know from here out, I'm making my decision. You girls want to get free, don't you? No, I said. But, uh, so she buried him in a suit and tie and whatever else. You know, My brother and I, after she died, we said, you know, we called the funeral home up there, and we said, how much would it cost to dig him up and put him in his Marine Corps uniform? I said, 1500 bucks. I said, it wouldn't, no, it ain't worth it. <laughs> we're, we're not going to put him in. Just leave him in, it'll be fine. <laughs> By the way, they dig you up 35 years. I've known people being dug up here 35 years, being in the ground in Florida. Now, Florida's wet. And, and uh, Bill Shikani told me he could have put a little makeup on that woman, done her hair, and she could have been showing after 35 years in the casket. I mean, that's how good she looked. That formaldehyde does a great job <laughs> of keeping you looking good, even though that's not you. You left when you, you, left when you died. Why, ask God to help you, because I need help, to see the unseen. What's invisible? Love. Love's invisible. Can't put your hands on it. The things that you can't hold, 
are oftentimes eternal things. But it's opposite of our normal nature. Another uh, complicit verse, whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. There is such a thing as spiritual eyes. There is such a thing as spiritual eyes. Sometimes I feel I can almost, almost reach out and touch it. Almost. I've uh, been around some people who died. I've been at the actual death of probably four people. And I've talked to people who've been around folks when they died. They did things like reach out for somebody. They said somebody was in, had come in, and they reached out for them, and then their hand went limp and died. Some, I can tell you this. Dead pe dying people see something. Some of them react to it, some of them don't, but they're seeing something. Something's going on. You know it. You know there's life after death. You just know it. Uh, that's why we come to Jesus, so we can be there. We conquer by yielding. This is the second thing. We conquer by yielding. That's, that's an oxymoron. We conquer by yielding. Romans, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So, you turn your computer on. An advertisement for some illicit thing comes up. You reach your finger over to the return button, which would open it up. When you hit that button, you gave permission. You with me on that? You give permission. Who do you give permission to? The devil. The demonic powers that energize that stuff. And once you give permission, they take it real serious. You've given us permission. See, I don't believe you can be under attack without permission like that. In other words, you're not going to be the demonic powers. They don't have uh, possessive power over you. They, they contempt you, obviously. But they don't have the ability to put your finger on that Enter button. you got to do that. And when you do that, you say, yes, it's okay. So you may find yourself struggling and struggling because now, though you gave permission the first time, you can't stop it. You can't shut it off because you keep hitting that. I, had a, I, used to have, I used to have Microsoft stuff, and they'd get viruses, and a virus would come in my computer, and it would disable my escape button, it would disable my, even the turn off button on the back of the computer. You could not turn the computer off. You had to unplug it from the wall. That's why I got rid of microwave, of Microsoft. Junk, just junk. No offense, man. Just junk. Man, any product that can get a virus like that. And then you got to pay to not get it, but you still get it. And then when you get it, it's 250 bucks to get rid of it. And then you go back home, hit one thing, back in there, do it again. I did that about three times. I got a hold of Apple, and I said, "You got it. something's got to be better. And I'm not a salesman for them, but I should be. I've had my Apple now for 10 solid years, not one virus. And I've done exactly the same thing I did with the microwave. You can call it what you want. Well, with Microsoft. 
want to know why you enjoyed that. <laughs> Roland, what do you think? They love it when I fail, though. They love it when I fail, because that makes you feel good. You're a rough group, I'll tell you that. I love you, though. So it says, but God, be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, which we were, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which is delivered in new information, which is doctrine, from the Bible, that Jesus died for you, was buried and rose again the third day, and if you trust in him, he'll save you, give you the Holy Spirit, and there's so much other information. That new information is the off switch because the Holy Spirit will come in, and then you become more than conquerors through him that loved us. So then you get the ability to turn the power of darkness off. How? By yielding to righteousness. Being made then free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. There, do, you see, do you see the paradoxes here? The word free and servant. The word servant there is doulos. It means bond slave, born into slavery. Those are opposite words. You can't. How, do you, how are you a free bond servant? But in Christ, I'm a bond servant to Jesus, but that set me free from the, being a servant to unrighteousness. That's why whosoever sins is servant of sin. I think that's the theme verse for our youth, if I remember right. Isn't that the theme verse? 830. 830. Yeah. Okay, third thing. We find rest under a yoke. Most of you are very familiar with this one. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. These are Jesus' words, and I will give you rest. This next verse is the paradox. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest under your soul. To you, under your soul. Rest and a yoke don't go together. Rest and a yoke, they don't go together much. Yokes has to do with work. You put a horse or a cow or an ox or something in a yoke, it's about working. It's about pulling a cart, pulling something. It has really very little to do with rest. It has about everything to do with work. So what does this mean? Well, it says, sin has you in its yoke before Christ. And it's cruel. It's a heavy yoke. Look at people. Look at people. Uh, how, they, how they languish under the yoke of sin. They try to drink the pain away. They try to do cocaine so the pain goes away. They try to pleasure themselves so that they, they defile consciences somehow silenced. But you can't run from your conscience. At night it'll come back. So they take sleeping pills. Uh, Michael Jackson, I believe, I may have this wrong on this, but I'm close. If, if I don't have it exactly right, I'm close. When I had surgery, I had Propacol, I think it's called Propacol. It's a fabulous, fabulous substitute for full anesthesia. They don't put the thing down your throat, you breathe on your own, and when you wake up, you feel like a million bucks. No throwing up, no nausea. So I requested it. 
an anesthesiologist fought me on it. This is just before I, I was, I'm in the pre-op. The guy's fighting me. He says, no, we're going to put you under full line. I'm just ready to put my clothes on and get out of there. And I'm like, no, you're going to put me on propocol because my surgeon said it was okay. So God bless him, his surgeon came in at that time. And I guess he must be the boss. So he told the, he told the guy, he said, no, you can put this guy on propocol because he's not fat. He said if he was, uh, uh, if he was 50 pounds heavier, we couldn't do it. But because he's lightweight, we can use the propocol. And we're using the propocol. And the guy said, okay, okay. Here's the propocol. And uh, so they put me on the propocol, which I have no idea why I'm telling this story right now. What? <laughs> now you know why I forgot my sermon, don't you? I'm like, I'm like, her voice is going, my mind is going. It's a terrible thing to waste. Uh, Michael Jack, my, Michelle Jackson. He, I believe, he couldn't sleep. His conscience was so defiled through his behavior. He was a servant of sin. That it happened to Elvis Presley, who died at 42, I think. Elvis couldn't sleep. No more sleep. God takes her sleep away. I don't know if you take your sleep. Do you take your sleep for granted? I hope you don't. If you can sleep, that's a gift from God because you go crazy. So, Michael Jackson could not sleep, so he hired a doctor to put him on this medication that they use for surgery. Now, they didn't name it. I think maybe they did name it, but put him to sleep. But when you're on propocol, they have to monitor your breathing. In other words, they got to make sure you don't quit breathing. If you quit breathing, they got to lighten your dose and, and put you, come bring you back out of it a little bit or whatever. It's a, it's a balance. Well, the guy got a phone call or so and went in another room, and Michael Jackson quit breathing and died. He was so tormented at 50 years old that he couldn't sleep. He had to take drugs of that caliber, intravenous drug, to sleep like maybe you sleep and take it for granted. The reason you sleep as a born-again believer is because you've got a clear conscience that's been cleaned by the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. He washes the guilty conscience away. He, he takes your sin away on himself and then gives you, in replace of it, a clear conscience and a settled spirit to where you can pillow your head and you're not sitting there running things, things running out of control. You know, you can't control your mind like you think you do. It'll start running things by you. I went for two years. God took my pretty much my sleep away for a couple years. I mean, I was just, it was, it was just really tough. And I prayed that whole two years, Lord Jesus, why, why, why? Well, what he was doing was teaching me the agony so I could have empathy on people who have lost their sleep. Because as soon as, as quickly as he took it away, he gave it back to me. One day I went to bed and slept. And it was like, wow, crazy. No difference. No. And I never took drugs the whole two years. People tell me, well, you can take something about some Tylenol, and you can take this, you can take I said, I'm not doing drugs, because if I do drugs, I'm going to give drugs a credit. And I want God to do it. In two years, he gave me back my sleep. And so 
Um, it was a beautiful thing, really. That, that, but I learned about losing your, your sleep. It's horrid. It's a, it's a punishment. You study those people who are in radical sin and see how, see how they're doing. A servant of sin. The yoke of sin is heavy. Jesus, you trust him as your Savior. You become a servant of his but you have a responsibility, a yoke, under his leadership, don't you? It, it, he says it this way. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Why did you call me Lord, Lord, and do not those things which I command? In other words, as a born-again Christian, you're obliged to now obey him by the grace of God, which, by the way, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. It gets better as the days go on. You know the song, it gets sweeter as the days go on. Christian life gets better as it goes, not worse. Oh, the, the unsaved folks gets worse as it goes, but our life gets better. I'm having more fun at 69 years old uh, living for Jesus. I'd never want to go back. No offense meant for young people. God bless you. Everybody goes through the one time, but I wouldn't want to do it twice. I got to quit here. I got a few of these. I got 14 of these. We reign by serving. We're not going to make them tonight. And I said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name, receive with me. Whosoever shall receive me, receive with him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. I was talking to Rasmussen. He says, what, What's some of your goals in life? You know, he was, he's a smart man. He queries you about, you know, you know, you know, just about your life philosophy. He wants to know about your life philosophy. And I said, my life philosophy is to be little in my own sight. By the way, Siri calls me little anyway. The no good. I mean, uh, I'll say, uh, call Troy Lytell, and she'll say, would you like to call Troy Little? I don't want to call him little, but you can. <laughs> it won't say Lytell. It will not say it. It will not. It's little. I still like Apple, but nevertheless, uh, little. And I got to think of maybe that's good. I need to be little in my own sight. You know, sometimes, you know what? There are three, there are three major sin groups. What's the flesh? Unless the eyes. Unless the flesh, unless the eyes. Typically, young people struggle with unless the flesh, unless the eyes. Big time. That's their, that's their demon. But as you get older, those things get less of a grip on you. Hopefully. But the third group gets a, a stronger grip on older people. As they become uh, financially established. As they become uh, intellectually established. As they get the accolades of the world accomplishments, what would that be? Where am I going? Pride of life. Pride. Pride. I'm somebody. No. Jesus is somebody. There's no great man of God. There's just a man seeking a great God. And uh, all that I am and ever hope to be is Jesus. You know what I mean? I don't care how many degrees you have, you're no better, really, than the old girl maybe on a porch in 
East Kentucky that has never went past sixth grade in God's eyes. Red or yellow, black or white, they're all precious in his sight. God loves us, gave himself for us, and he's not going to recognize the pride of life. He hates it. Pride is of the devil. Pride was invented by the devil, as far as I can tell. Actually, it was invented by him. And so this is an oxymoron. Least of you would be the great. And, and you know, I like what I like about Rasmussen, actually what I like about Getch and Rasmussen both, is that they mention about staying little in their own eyes. Now, Getch is a very smart man, very smart. Rasmussen is strong, too. But you can tell they're not. Uh, Chris, I think he about half insulted Rasmussen. you got to watch him. He got up there and said, uh, Rasmussen, I was watching live when you did this, but he was behind you. And he said, you know what I like about Rasmussen? He said, uh, he's a big shot. Oh, no, that Rasmussen did not like that. Calling him a big shot. He's a big shot, but he don't act like a big shot. Well, he liked that part, but, but I don't think he knew where you were going on. He's a big shot. He was like, I'm going to have to undo this introduction. Uh, Ron Comfort was the one that said that he liked us because we didn't act like big shots. He said, I can't, I just, I'm, I'm tired of being around big shots. The sad thing is that people do want to consider themselves. Big shots, if they get certain things accomplished in this world. I got three minutes, but I'm going to stop there. So the, these are some of the, what is this, number three, number four? I wish I had a number, though, of the 14, I believe, paradoxes of the Christian life. These are some of the paradoxes of the Christian life. And God weighs, doesn't this go along with Isaiah where it says, God weighs are not our ways as the heavens above the earth, so uh, his ways are not our ways. You know, his ways aren't our ways. Now, if you believe that, then you're never going to get bitter at him. But if you believe God's got to come up to your expectations and your set of judgments and your justice system, He's got to meet your justice system and your set of right and wrong and your set of judgment, then you may get you may get bitter at God. I just my wife just read a book of a preacher who his wife was delivering some kids to school. His two kids and his wife were delivering seven other children to school. They got hit by a semi. All nine of them died. His wife, two kids, and seven of their church kids all died. Explain that to me. That's what the book's about. Explain that to me. You remember a while back there was this family going down the road and they had six children and there was a born again people. They were born, they were like we are. They're independent, kind of fundamental folks, Bible believing folks. They were going down the road and they hit an angle iron, a piece of angle iron falling off a truck or something. They hit it, it flipped up, hit the gas tank of a minivan, caught on fire. They pulled over, his wife got out, he got out, the kids were engulfed in flames, were screaming for help. Daddy, as best he could, reached in up to here, he got burnt right up to his shoulder to try to get him out of the seatbelt, and he, got, he was driven back by the flame, burnt, and they all died right in front of his eyes. Explain that. Explain that to me. As far as they knew, doing the will of God, love God, 
Want to do the right thing? If you get a bunch of expectations on the way God's supposed to act and who he's supposed to keep alive and who he's supposed to take and what he's supposed to do, and you start running his show, you're going to get better at it. But if you're little in your own eyes and trust him, in the big picture, it's going to work its way out. Those kids, as far as I know, the nine kids that died, those uh, eight kids that died, I'm saying the nine kids, seven kids that died, no, eight kids that died. I'm going to get this right. There were nine people died, one, one adult in the one van. So the eight kids all went to heaven. They're all professing Christian, trusted Christ. Well, the wife trusted Christ. The guy with his six children, all of them had trusted Christ. God took them early. I believe took them to heaven. You lost your kid at 21 years old. Um, you can say it wasn't fair. That's because you define fairness. Don't define it. Don't do it. Leave yourself loose on that stuff. Let God take care of what he's doing, and you take care of what you're supposed to do. Father, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.